You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. church that loves Jesus, right? Yes. Uh, we love the Bible. Yes. We're on a mission. Yes. We're on a mission to bring the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible to South Bay That's right. and to help our brothers and sisters to finish this race of life uh, where we can be with Jesus forever in heaven. Amen. And today we're continuing our sermon series that we've entitled Travel Light, which is inspired by the 23rd Psalm. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I love this title. I love travel light, this idea of traveling light. I love what we've been talking about because it's true that we pick up a lot of baggage yeah. in our life. Yeah. And it becomes a spiritual drag on us. Uh, it says in the first three verses of Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He, lay, he makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So David says here in Psalm 23 that the Lord, our shepherd, leads us along the right paths for his name's sake. So if God leads us on the right paths, there's a corollary to that, which is we can be on the wrong path, right? It's very possible to be on the wrong path with your life. And sometimes... You observe people what are, who are making what are clearly bad decisions, right? You just know oh, that's not going to end well. You just observe it and you see it, and it's just so clear to, to you at the time. People make bad decisions. I'm just going to share a quick video clip here that's an example of somebody who makes a bad decision. For sure, when you want to cue it up here. Joker wants to race. Race? That's ridiculous. All right, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Put your window down! He wants something. Uh, he's probably drunk. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. <laughs> what a moron. They're going in the wrong direction. You're going to kill somebody. Going the wrong way! What? Why? 
one of the great movies of all times, I must say. If you have not seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, you need to repent. Uh, my wife Mia can attest that I quote this movie almost daily. I love it that much. So here you have John Candy, who's, who's the driver of the automobile, and he's playing in this movie a shower curtain ring salesman. A uh, traveling salesman named Del Griffith, remember? And uh, I think Dell made a bad decision here that literally led him down the wrong, the wrong way of the freeway, the wrong way. And sometimes it's like, we're like Dell. We make bad decisions. We're going the wrong way down the freeway at 75 miles an hour, and we're still in denial. Oh, he's drunk. How does he know where we're going? Yeah, how does he know? But getting on the wrong path can, can also be much more subtle than that, right? Um, it's not always as overt as going the wrong way down the freeway. What I mean is that we can fill our lives with so much stuff, so much stuff that puts us in a fog and gets us lost. And Steve talked about this last week, Steve Marici, in our, in our sermon, in his sermon. And we can feel like we're doing all the right things. You know, we're pouring ourselves into our work. We're pouring ourselves into our kids. We're pouring ourselves into their activities, their sports. And we're pouring ourselves into academics. You know, whatever it is, there's just so many things in our life that can take our, our time, our resources, and our attention, right? And we get busier and busier, and we get more and more stressed out, and the fog begins to roll in, the fog of life. And the most important thing, which is Jesus, gets crowded out. And you begin to drift, and you lose yourself in the fog of life. And before you know it, you have veered off the path that God intended you to be on. So the title of my sermon today is Seeing Through the Fog. And we're going to be talking about three things. We're going to talk about, number one, Jesus is the light. He is the only path through the fog. Secondly, we're going to talk about how you know if you're on the right path. And then thirdly, if you don't know if you're on the right path or you don't think you're on the right path, how do you course correct? How do you get on the right road? So John... Chapter 14, verse 6, one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as you think about what path you're on with your life, the first thing you need to consider is who Jesus really is. Who is he really? I think that many people create their own idea of who they want Jesus yeah, to be. And, and that image of Jesus that we create often doesn't match up with the real Jesus that we see in the Bible. Speaking of movies, how many of you have seen the movie Inside Out? Yeah. A lot of hands. Okay, quite a few. Probably half the room has seen the movie Inside Out. It's currently in theaters. It's one of those animated Pixar movies, which I'm normally not a big fan of, but you have to see this movie. I highly recommend it, especially if you have young kids. It's really good. And I won't spoil it for you, but I'll spoil it for you. The movie really touched me because I, I have you know, an 11-year-old child, and this movie's about an 11-year-old girl uh, and her family that moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. And I think I can relate, not only do I have that age of a child, but also that, that I moved from the Midwest to the West Coast, and I know it is like moving to a different planet. And it's, it's, not, it's not an easy adjustment for some. So this movie is about what's going on inside of this little girl's brain as she goes through this move. Her emotions 
are personified in this movie as characters that are living inside of her brain. And the characters are, the main characters are Joy, and she's this little fairy-like creature with the blue hair who's always happy and dancing around, trying to cheer everybody up. And then there's Sadness, who's that little short girl who's always moping around, always talking about sad things. And then there's Disgust, who's this sarcastic character. And then there's Anger, who's my favorite. He's this little red guy. He just blows his top at, this, at the drop of a hat. There's Worry, who's this little green guy slinking around. And they're all living inside of her head. And you see what they're doing. And as the girl adjusts to living in San Francisco, somehow joy and sadness get ejected from the command center that they're in in the brain. right? And they, they go on this adventure deep inside of the girl's brain. And when joy and sadness are lost in the girl's brain, they meet the girl's imaginary friend inside of her brain. It's an imaginary friend from when she was three years old. And the friend's name is Bing Bong. Bing Bong. And Bing Bong is this goofy, pink elephant-like creature that you see here. And he's also part dolphin. That's what they say in the movie. Part elephant, part dolphin. And he loves the little girl deeply. He wants to take her to the moon in her little red wagon. And sadly, the girl, who's now 11, hasn't taken Bing Bong out to play with him for many years. And Bing Bong's moving closer and closer to being forgotten forever in the little girl's brain. And the reason I bring this up is because for many of us, Jesus can be like Bing Bong. Perhaps you met Jesus earlier in your life. You may have even had quite a friendship with him at one time. You know he loves you deeply. You know he wants to take you to the moon, or better yet, to heaven. But then life happens. And then Jesus moves further and further back into the recesses of our mind, right? He's no longer front of mind. He may come out a few times a year at Easter and Christmas. He may come out when the occasional crisis hits, right? But then, you know, you put him away. And he's definitely not a daily visitor to your mind. And the 11-year-old girl at Inside Out wanted... Bing bong to be this fuzzy pink elephant with, with that was part dolphin. But what do you want Jesus to be like? You know, what do you want him to be like? Kind, meek, got the lambs under the arms, got the long flowing Fabio hair. Flowing <laughs> not too confrontational, not judgmental. And your imaginary Jesus can be hanging out in the back of your brain. And when you feel scared or lonely or hurt, what do you do? You take him out. You ask him for help, right? And when you're feeling better, what do you do? You put him away until you need him again. But I'll tell you that Jesus is not Bing Bong. He's not your imaginary friend that you can take out at your convenience and put him away again. If you really want to know who he is, you can read all about him in the Bible. You know, he's, he's there. It's all about him. He's the only way that we're going to get to heaven. That's what he says. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the truth. And you can't pick and choose who you want him to be. He is the only way to cut through the fog and get on the right path with your life. So we're going to do a little reading here in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Now, who is the Word? It's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Let's skip down to verse 9. The true light 
that gives light to, the, to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So if you want to understand who Jesus is, I recommend that you start with the book of John. The Apostle John was one of Jesus' right-hand guys when he was on earth, right? And, and John knew Jesus personally, and he may have known Jesus better than, than anyone else. But as it says here in the book of John, Jesus and God are one. Jesus was with God in the beginning. He's God. He was there at the creation of the world. You know, everything was made by him. He became flesh. He became a person. He made his dwelling on earth. And Jesus is the light to everyone. That's what this scripture says. He became a man to save his children, to give them light, to get them on the right path once again. And that light still shines today. And the darkness cannot overcome it. But John says that even though Jesus is God, even though he made the world, he created us, he came to save us, even though he, he showed us the right path, many people do not receive him. They don't accept him for who he is. They don't acknowledge him. That's because Jesus was controversial. He was controversial in his day, and he's still polarizing the people today. If you read the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll find that Jesus repeatedly claims that he is God yeah. and that he is the only way to be saved, yeah. the only way. And let's face it, that's uncomfortable yeah. in today's world. Yeah. That's uncomfortable, or dare I even say it's offensive yeah. to some. Especially in today's world where we want to believe that there's many ways to God. Yeah. We want to believe that. The world tells you that your relationship with God is a personal thing yeah. and you should not talk about it to anyone but yourself. <laughs> that allows you to create your own idea of who God is and what he requires to be saved. In other words, you create a bing bong Jesus. <clears throat> but the real Jesus demands that you either accept or reject who he really is. He states ever so clearly in the scriptures that he is God. That's right. And you cannot be saved without him. Yeah. And with that claim, you really only have two options, two choices. One option is to say he was a lunatic, raving mad, because he can't be God. A man cannot be God, and he can't be the only one. And you shouldn't listen to anything he says if you believe he's a lunatic. Or you can believe, secondarily, you can believe that his teachings are true and that he is God. Right. And he is the only way to be saved. But what you can't say is this. You cannot say, well, he was a good man. I believe he was a good teacher. And I believe there's some good things I can apply to my life from him. But I don't believe he was God. You can't, you can't say that. You can also can't say that Jesus is one of many possible ways to get to God. Coexist. It's all good. You know, that's your way. I, I take my own path. Those are not options. It are, they're not options. If Jesus was a good man but not God, 
And if he's just one of many ways to get to God, that contradicts everything he taught about himself. Those aren't options. John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus talking to Martha. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So getting on the right path requires you to first understand and acknowledge who Jesus really is. Because he is the only path. Do you really believe that? If you don't believe that he's the only path, then you can't say you believe in Jesus at all. Because you don't know what he taught about himself. Which leads me to my second point. How do you know if you're really on the right path? Next scripture we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 13. Matthew 7, starting in verse 13, says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Skip to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does my, the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So the first thing that strikes me about this scripture is that, once again, Jesus is very exclusive. He tells us that the right way is narrow. It seems tight. It seems uncomfortable. But it actually leads to life. Eternal life. But here's the clincher. Only a few find it. Only a few find it! What? You mean that finding salvation isn't easy? I can't find my own path? You're saying that most people on earth are on the path to destruction? How do you respond to what Jesus is saying here? Well, that sounds very judgmental and narrow-minded, Jesus. Are you saying my Buddhist friends aren't saved? Are you suggesting my agnostic friends are on the path to destruction? Are you suggesting that some of the people that go to church are lost? My bing-bong Jesus would never be so offensive. Let's coexist. It's all good. Coexist. Or you might be saying, absolutely, Jesus, right on. The way is narrow. I'm so glad I'm on it. I go to church several times a year. I give the money, you know, some charity once in a while. You know, I've always believed in you, Jesus. I'm a fan. I pray to you sometimes. And I'm a good person. I'm better than most people around me. I'm even giving up my time to be here this morning. So I must be on the right path, right? Jesus doesn't mince words here. He's the only way. And even if you believe that and you are a Jesus fan, so to speak, that's not going to save you either. That's what he says. So you can go to church, you can prophesy, you can drive out demons, you can even perform miracles. And it's still possible that you don't really know Jesus. And he doesn't really know you. 
if you really believe Jesus and what he's saying here, it means that there are many churchgoers and there are many good people that are on the broad path that leads to destruction. So how do you know? How do you know if you're on the narrow path that leads to life? Well, fortunately, Jesus is very clear what it takes. Remember, he's the light that cuts through the fog and shows us the way. So let's just do a quick examination of what people on the broad road think and believe versus what people on the narrow road think and believe. Okay? So we're going to look at a few aspects here. So on the broad road, what do they think about money? I want to make more of it. I want to make more of that money so I can buy the right house, get the right car, get the right clothes, get the vacations, retire early, all of that, right? I want more, 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 more. What does Jesus teach about money? The narrow road says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Amen. Very different perspective. What does the broad road say about marriage? I'm going to stay married as long as I'm in love. But as soon as my spouse isn't meeting my needs anymore, I'm gone, finding a new one. What does the narrow road say? Jesus said, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. Hard line on divorce. What does the broad road say? You know what? If somebody offends me, I'm going to get revenge. I will get revenge on my enemies. What does the narrow road say? Jesus, I, says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What does the broad road say about purity? Pornography, you know, it pops up on my phone sometimes. I'm going to glance once in a while. It's not hurting anybody. It's not a big deal. Just personal thing, right? Not a big deal. What does Jesus say about purity? If you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. What does the world's or broad road say about your personal rights? I have personal rights, and don't you dare violate my personal rights. What does Jesus teach? Don't resist an evil person. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. What does the broad road say about judgment? That's a bad person, and they should pay the price for what they've done. What does Jesus say? Don't judge, or you'll be judged. And then finally, what does the world say about family? My family is the most important thing in my life. Nothing comes before my family, ever. What does Jesus say? Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So you can begin to see that Jesus really is a light in our world, right? His teachings are vastly different, vastly different on money, on relationships, on personal rights, on family, on everything. He cuts through the fog, and he helps us to understand how we should live and what the right path really is. And it's vastly different from what the world believes. And again, Jesus says he's God. He says he's God. So you can't pick and choose which of these teachings you want to believe. If you believe he's God, that means all of his teachings are true, and you need to obey them. Amen. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, to the ones who were the Jesus fans, people said, we're with you, Jesus. Right? They were following him. We were with you, but what did he say? He drew the line in the sand, and he said, look, 
if you hold to my teaching, right. then you are really my disciple. Right. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not enough to be a Jesus fan. Jesus said, if you want to be free, if you want to know the truth, you've got to hold to my teachings. So here's a question for every person here today. Are you living your life like Jesus taught? Are you holding to his teachings? Have you studied the Bible to know what his teachings really are? Or are you living more by what the world teaches? Be honest with yourself. Which of those descriptions, the broad road or the narrow road, which one sounds more like you? And if you can't be honest with yourself, ask somebody who knows you really well. Better yet. There's a lot writing on this, folks, because Jesus said the broad road leads to destruction, and many, if not most, are on it. There's a lot riding on this. Which leads me to my third and final point. If you sense you're on the wrong road, or you're not sure if you're on the narrow road, what do you do about it? How do you course correct? Well, hopefully, hopefully it's obvious that Jesus is how you cut through the fog and get on the right path. And fortunately, we have the teachings of Jesus in this wonderful book called the Bible. Any member of our church, any disciple, is willing to sit down with you and take you through a series of personal Bible studies and examine what Jesus really expects from you and expects for your life. But you have to be willing to seek him with all of your heart. Don't be like Steve Martin who realized before they were on the wrong path and then he froze up and he couldn't do anything. You know, he dug his nails in the dust and he said, truck, 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 truck. Didn't do anything, right? Jesus is God. He doesn't accept half-hearted commitment. He doesn't. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? To follow Jesus and to be his disciple and to get on the narrow road, you need to be willing to make your own desires secondary to his desires. It's the great paradox, right? I mean, to save your life, you have to be willing to lose your life. But if you're willing to lose your life, you find the truth and it sets you free. You discover that your old life really wasn't life at all. Real life comes from following Jesus. He's the only light that shines in the darkness. And I'll just share a little bit about my, my story. I mean, I personally found this principle to be true, that when I'm willing to lose my life for Jesus, he blesses me. But there are things in the world that we can hold on to so tightly, right? I know I can. I mean, for me, for a long time, what I really held on to was my career. That was the precious thing. That was my identity. That was what I took the most pride in. I worked hard to advance in my career, and I did advance to a point. You know, I was the top salesman in, our, in the country for several years in a row. Um, God opened up an opportunity, and then about five years, four or five years ago, for me to go into the senior management at my company. And I poured myself into my job, and, and I learned a lot in the process. But in many ways, the more I advanced, the more unfulfilled I was. And I began to ask God, God, what's next? What, what do you really want for me? What do you want from my life? What am I meant to do? I couldn't see myself working in this career 20 more years. I just, I couldn't. 
mean, should I go back to school, God? God, should I start a business and go on Shark Tank? Um, should I move back to my homeland in Iowa where the cost of living is a lot lower and just live on my savings, figure out what's next? But then our lead evangelist and women's ministry leader, Stephen and Jackie Marici, approached Mia and me late last summer about serving in the full-time ministry here at South Bay Church. Uh, if we had moved to Iowa, we could have been self-supporting from our own investments, uh, but we'd have to move to Iowa because it's cheaper to live there. Um, but the church was willing to provide a cost of living adjustment so that, that we could afford to still live here and make it work financially. And when God opened this door for us, it suddenly hit me that I'd been asking God the wrong question the whole time. I'd been asking him what was next for me. How could I continue to advance? I wasn't asking what was next for him. How could he use my life to serve him in a better way? I was trying to save my life. I wasn't trying to lose my life. And then I started looking back and reflecting that when I first became a Christian, God had actually put on my heart to want to serve in the full-time ministry. I had a desire at one time, but over the years, I just allowed life to take over. And the fog rolled in, and I suppressed that calling that I once had. But Steve and Jackie's offer rekindled the dream again, and it was really God answering my prayer about what was next. But I would say that this calling has required my entire family to lose our life, so to speak. Yeah. Or at least it may appear like that to outside observers, because... You know, we sold our almost 4,000-square-foot house in the coveted tree section of Manhattan Beach. Uh, we moved to a house about half the size, about half the size, almost half the size, in, in Rancho Palos Verdes. We sold our vacation home in Oregon, gave most of the household items to the, to the poor. I resigned from my job last week after a 20-year career in financial services, walked away from a high six-figure income and the perceived security of a corporate leadership position. And looking at it through a worldly lens, I'll admit that what we're doing seems absolutely crazy. It does. I'm stepping away from a successful career at the peak. And the reaction of my coworkers have ranged from bewilderment all the way to some of them have been inspired by what, what we're doing. But Jesus promises us that we will save our life when we're willing to lose it. And me and I don't look at things through a worldly lens. We're actually really, really excited to begin serving here in South Bay full-time, serving as church. Yes. The knuckleheads that you are, we love you. And we actually consider it an incredible privilege and an honor to do so. And there is no higher calling in our life than to do this. And yes, we are losing our old life for Jesus, but we know we are saving our life in the process. So Jesus has cut through the fog for me. And I can say from personal experience that I'm, when, I'm, when I'm really willing to listen to him and prioritize him above everything else, that's when he shows me the way I should go. Yeah. And Jesus probably is not calling you to give up your job and your home and go into the full-time ministry like us. For most people, that's probably not what Jesus is calling you to do. But I do know this. To get on the narrow path that leads to life, you need to be willing to give up what you hold most dear to you. You really need to listen to what Jesus tells you to do. Because Jesus will not play second fiddle to anyone or anything else in your life. Here's a scripture that I've meditated on a lot over the last year. And it's really helped me in Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. 
It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have so many examples in our church of living sacrifices. We really do. It's really inspiring. Uh, people that are laying aside their lives for Jesus. I mean, I have to commend Eric and Lucy Manji. Yes. I mean, yeah. amazing servants, incredible servants. I think they a round of applause. They have laid down their lives for South Bay Church as family group leaders, now leading the children's ministry. It's been inspiring to see what they've done with the kids. They've created the very own kids' service for crying out loud. The kids love it. They're singing together and they're, 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 they're worshiping together. And their job is moving them to Tennessee. They'll be part of our church in Nashville. Um, but they are going to leave a gaping hole here when they leave. So please come to their going away party tonight at 6 p.m. at the Prospect Building and encourage them as we see them off and, and thank them for what they've done for South Bay. Joe and Nicole Lee, I don't know if they're here, they might be out serving, but Joe and Nicole Lee served tirelessly in our preteen ministry. They have camp this week, youth camp coming up. And Joe and, and Nicole aren't paid a dime for what they do, but they do it because they truly love Jesus, right? And they love the kids, love those guys. Bernardo, I'm going to embarrass you. Another example. Bernardo serves tirelessly in our singles ministry. And he leads them, and he does such an awesome job there. Uh, George Cable, who pr you should pray for. I think he's in the hospital. But George had a vision to start our kids' choir. And as the other, others have been involved with that, but George has helped to keep it going. And there are so many more examples. Our sound crew, our ushers, our, our kingdom kids' teachers, everybody that, that serves tirelessly for, for God. But does your life need a course correction? Are you really confident that you're one of the few people on the narrow path that leads to life? Are you willing to lay down your life as a living sacrifice? And if you're not confident what path you're on, the best place to start is by searching for the light, the light that cuts through the fog, which is Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life, and his teachings, everything you need to course correct are right in front of you in the Bible. It's when you stop conforming to the world that your, not, your mind will be transformed, it'll be renewed, and you'll be able to discern what Jesus really wants for your life. So my friends, we'll end where we began in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. Jesus is God. He is the light that shines in the darkness and cuts through the fog. He is the only path to eternal life. Amen. And only if you find it. But you have to be willing to seek him with all of your heart and to lose your life in order to save it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, and our Lord Jesus, we come before you today with just uh, sober and humble hearts. You came to earth as a man, God, just to show us the way and the truth and the life.
and for that we are eternally grateful. But Father, we know that the world brings a fog that just clouds our vision, and we can often end up on the wrong path, uh, the one that leads to destruction in the end. Thank you, God, for being the light that shines in the darkness and for giving us your teachings in the Bible. We know that what you want is often exactly the opposite of what the world tells us. And my prayer, God, is that everyone here today, everyone listening, and every soul in South Bay, for that matter, can really evaluate what path they're on. That they'll sit down with disciples of Jesus to personally study his word and humble themselves to the truth that's there. Because, God, when we're willing to give up everything and follow you, that's when you lead us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. And we know that you will accept nothing less than total commitment. Lord, I just pray every soul here today makes the necessary course corrections just to get on the narrow path. And it's in your name I ask these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.